Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored and dedicated in honor of the birth of twin boys. And also, to Shiva and Orian Barzilai. May they grow to be leaders of their generation. Torah and Mitzvah Mazatov from the Hurizade family. Azako Baruch also dedicated for the complete Rufuashilema of Chana Batsimafeg and Liao Shemon Ben Mazal Fortune. Also dedicated, loving memory, Asher Ben The loss is not is something that is felt not just by his family, many, other, many others as well. He dedicated his life to his kahal and he will truly be missed. May Hashem bless his family with Nechama during this difficult time, sponsored by his loving grandchildren, Daniela, Asal, and Joey Zagi. Also, my friends, uh, the week of Cobru is dedicated uh, and sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. Let us begin. My friends, the, the Midrash tells us on this week's parasha a very interesting limud. And I want to share with you the limud. And it actually ties in with the beautiful words that we merited to hear today from uh, Rabbi Hajiov. The pasuk says, And it was at the end of two years. So two years go by with Yosef in prison. And we know he's already been in prison, either for 10 or 11 years. Machloken if he was there for 12 or 13 years. But he's already been in prison for a very long time. But the Pasuk over here says, and it was at the end of two years. The Midrash says, Ashreha Gever, Asher Sam Bashem Miftacho. Praiseworthy is someone who places his trust in Hakadosh Baruchu. Ze Yosef, this refers to Yosef. Who is a person who has great bitachon? Yosef. Ashreha Gever, Asher Sam Bashem Miftacho. But then the second Pasuk, second part of the Pasuk continues. And he did not turn to powerful, to wealthy people. Because Yosef said to the Sarah uh, the minister of the, of the, the butler, uh, the butler interior, okay? The guy who poured the wine and the tequila and the whiskey for Paro, because he told him, Remember me to Paro. Make sure you tell him to bring me out of prison. Zichartani vehizkartani. He says it two times. Hitvasfulo shteshanim. They added to his prison sentence an extra two years. That's what the Midrash says. So because Yosef said, Remember me, remember me, two times, therefore he was punished that he had two more years in prison. He didn't have full emunah. Now, all of the commentators ask the same question. I could handle the first part of this pasuk with its midrash, or the second part of the pasuk with its midrash. But I can't handle them both together. Let's review. The first part of the pasuk is praiseworthy as someone who has trust in Hashem. Who is that? Yosef. Second part of the pasuk. We did not turn to those to people in power to be able to get him out of the logjam. Who is that? Also Yosef. Because he asked two times, remember me, remember me. That was enough that it was added for him two more years. Now, how could those things both be simultaneously true? So the Beta Levi writes an amazing idea. And really, I want to start with this concept with you today. He says as follows. 
He says, most people who live in this world, who have emunah, also have an obligation to do everything in their power to try and bring about the hishtadlut, to try and bring about the outcome that they need through natural means, whatever they can do. So as an example, you have a person who's hard at work, does that mean that he does not have emunah? He should sit home and say, God could send me a lottery ticket? Of course not. That's not how the world works. A person has an obligation to do their part, to do hishtadlut, to whatever degree they can. In fact, to do as much as they can. So what in the world is going on over here that Yosef said, he requested, Zichartani, remember me, Vihizkartani. He says it a second time, and that's enough to punish Yosef. What's going on? So I want to share with you the, this idea, because I think it's really powerful. The Bet Levi takes an approach on this, and he says as follows. He says, no, actually, that's precisely what the Midrash is telling you. Yosef HaTzadik, who is he? He's a person who places his complete trust in God. So for someone of that level of bitachon, he should not have turned to the Sarah Mashkim. For you and me, we have an obligation to go above and beyond. You know why? Because our emunah is not there. So therefore, what do we have to do? We have to do more istadlut. We have to do more efforts. We have to do perhaps even max efforts because our emunah is really not there. So since the emunah is not there, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not going to do extra miracles on that level for us, right? So therefore, we have to do more of our part. That's the idea the Beit HaLevi illustrates. However, for someone of Yosef HaTzadik's caliber, he was someone who had true emunah, so for him, it was inappropriate to rely so much on these people. It didn't make sense. Let me give you an example about what this looks like. I want you to imagine a person flies, flies in all the way from Eretz Israel, comes uh, with a very difficult medical case to one of the universities here in, uh, to one of the, uh, excuse me, hospitals here in New York City. He doesn't have insurance. He doesn't have a dime to pay. He walks inside the hospital. He says, please t t send me, show me where the children's ward is. They show him the children's ward. He walks in. He sees the doctor sitting there in a meeting in one of the rooms. He knocks on the door and he says, I'm so sorry to disturb. Please forgive me. I know that this is not appropriate. He throws himself down on his hands and knees. And he says, please doctors, my son is suffering from a difficult ailment. No one in the world knows how to do the procedure, but they tell me they could do it in this hospital. I have no money to pay. I have no insurance. All I know is that my son, if, if you don't treat him, is going to die. Please. He looks at the first doctor, the head of the department. The doctor says, I'm really sorry. My caseload is filled with people who've flown in from around the world. Every single slot I have for surgery is taken from now till three months. The man says, doctor, my son's not going to make it three months. The doctor says, well, maybe you could go to the second best doctor in the hospital. Turns it, no, I'm completely packed. Three, four, five. Finally, he gets to the doctor who's not even a doctor. They're physician's assistant. They never did the surgery before, but they've sat in on the surgery. And the doctor says, listen, I've never done it. You know, but he, he says, listen, you know, the truth is my son doesn't have a chance. And if none of these other doctors who know how to do the procedure are going to take me, at the very least, I'd be happy to have you take a, take a crack at it because my son is not going to survive long enough for any one of these doctors to get a chance to see him. Okay. 
Anyway, while the man is sitting there shaking hands, signing contracts with this PA, all of a sudden, there's another knock at the door. And a man walks in, and the man says, you know, um, I want to know uh, what, when my son is going to go in for surgery. And, uh, and the doctor says, well, which, what, what, what disease does he have? And this man says, well, he has this and this disease. And the doctor says, I'll see you immediately. The head doctor, I'll see you immediately. The guy's almost finished signing with the PA, turns around with he's so much anger in his face. I don't understand. I just came in. I asked you for the same thing for my kid. <clears throat> and he starts yelling and screaming and he's angry till they have to call security. Anyway, as the security is taking him away, he says to the doctor, don't you have anything to say for yourself? The doctor says, anything to say for myself? This man is a patient of mine already for 10 years. I've been working with his kid, giving them medication. The surgery was scheduled three years ago. We've done all of the prep. His, his appointment was scheduled for today. They flew in from the other side of the world. Everything, every document, every scan, every test, every blood test is already in the system. My, my surgery room is prepped for him already for six months. How in the world are you comparing yourself to him? My friends, that's Yosef HaSadiq. You know, you look at a person like this, all of us, and we're saying, can't believe it. Yosef HaTzadik asks two times and, he's, and he's, it's, it's seen as a negative thing. You know, surely you have to do much more. If you're a person who doesn't have an appointment, who has no prior relationship, who doesn't know the doctor, who hasn't done all the tests, who hasn't done all the work, who hasn't signed all the papers, who hasn't made the investment all these years, who hasn't paid for insurance. Yeah, yeah. Then you need to get on your hands and knees and maybe, just maybe, the smallest of the doctors will do something for you. But the person who did everything, Yosef HaTzadik has done everything. Could you imagine that guy walking in and saying, listen, guys, if any one of you was willing to take the case, I'd be perfectly happy. Look, I know you're probably very busy and you and you and you and you, but maybe you. The guy's like, are you joking? Ten years we've been working towards this day. My friends, Emunah is not Johnny come lately. Emunah is not something you have in an instant, in a given situation. Emunah is a bank account that you make tiny deposits in for decades, generations. And I would even say, as uh, my friend Nathan always likes to point out, in the epigenetics, it's not something that begins with you. Your emunah is a product of your father's and your mother's emunah, and your grandparents' emunah. In the epigenetics and the genes of the person. What do we say? We are believers, the sons of believers. What does it matter that you're the son of a believer? David HaMelech says, Ani avdecha, I am your servant God. Ben Amatecha, the son of your maidservant. What is he saying? He's saying that we grew up on this emunah. 
God, we did not believe in you. We did not find you in prison. We did not see the light in the bottom of a dark pit. We've been with you from day one. You know what we need to do in order for our kid to go into that surgery? Nothing. We need to walk in absolutely sure that the surgery is going to happen with the very best surgeon in exactly the time that it says on my sheet. That's what the Midrash is telling us. Praiseworthy is someone. Yosef, Hashem's been your guy from day one. So why now? I get that you said to the guy, remember me. But a second remember me for Yosef is already too much. I want to share with you an example of this idea. Of what happens when uh, the Hafez Chaim teaches us a lesson of what Emunah looks like. They came to the city of uh, the Hafez Chaim, of Radin. And it was a terrible fire in the city. Raged, burned down the houses. Anyway, they came to the city and they say to the, the Hafez Chaim, listen, you know, I want to know to the people of the city, we want to know if you want to purchase fire insurance. All of you suffered terribly from all the houses burning down. You want to purchase fire insurance. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. The first time I had insurance for theft is if I had my first, you know, you know how that works, right? Okay. So anyway, so everyone is signing up because they experienced what it feels like to lose everything. Finally, they get to the Chafetz Chaim. And they asked the Chafetz Chaim, would you like to purchase fire insurance? And I want to share with you the answer of the Chafetz Chaim. Because it's one of those answers that it, it's just from left field. It sounds like he's out to lunch. But meanwhile, we'll understand very quickly what this means. Listen, listen carefully. The Chafetz Chaim answered him. He said like this. Madua latet lemidat hadin. <laughs> Why would you give the attribute of justice of Deen? Why would you give the attribute of justice an easier time prosecuting against you? They said, what do you mean? Hafez Chaim said, you know, if a person's supposed to be punished, so what do they say in Shamaim? Hazit, what's going to happen to him? His house, he's going to lose all his goods, his clothing. Guy's going to be naked in the middle of the night in his underwear outside his house, watching his house burn down. Hashem, have mercy. Rahmanut. So what happens? It's such a terrible thing. Hashem's Rahmanut kicks in, so to speak. And the person uh, is saved from that terrible tragedy. Now says the Hafez Chaim, Midat Adin comes and says the guy deserves to have a fire in his house, loses possessions. Midat uh, Hamim comes and says, Hazid! Midat Adin says, no, don't worry. He has insurance. Why would you let Midat Adin be mekatreg bekalut? Have an easier chance to be able to prosecute. Now, I read this story and I was thinking to myself, this sounds crazy. What is, what's the Hafez Chaim saying? A person shouldn't have insurance. I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think the Chafetz Chaim was saying to anybody else not to get insurance. 
For you, for me, we best be insured. But for the Chafetz Chaim on his level, way he re- related to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the way he felt about his emunah was so strong that the idea of having insurance, allowing for a tragedy to occur in your mind, to then be saved from that tragedy, already assumes that you're accepting that the tragedy should come. Why would you accept that in your mind? Why would you open the door for midat hadin with your belief level being that it's going to burn down but I'm going to be covered? Why would you let that in? They say about the briskarov that when they were bombing Jerusalem in the war, so everyone was begging him, come downstairs, come downstairs to the bomb shelter. He said, why? I'm tired, I'm going to sleep, I'll be in my bed. They said, come, come, come downstairs. Finally, the whole family's driving crazy. He goes downstairs to the bomb shelter. As they get into the bomb shelter, what do they hear? Boom. They come upstairs, a bomb has fallen on the roof, the roof collapses in, falls on the bed, the bed is broken. Anyway, the family members say, look, you see? The, the briskarov turns to the family members and he says, you owe me the price of the bed. They said, why? He said, the only reason why my bed was destroyed was because you managed to convince me not to lie in it. My friends, if I said that story, take me immediately to a mental health care facility. (laughs) Immediately. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Directly to the padded room. You know why? Because I'm not the Ashrei HaGever Ashrei Sam Hashem Miftacho. That's not me. I'm not that. So therefore for me to even think that way, but for the Briskarov, a person who lived with complete emunah, the way he understood the world was as a direct correlation between the way God took care of him and the way he believed in the God that would take care care of him. What a fascinating insight into emunah, into the mechanics between these two things. There was a sofer living in Eretz Israel, and he, he was someone who studied Torah, and on the side he would write Sifrei Torah, Tefillin, Mizuzot. Anyway, the prices of Sifrei Torah, Tefillin, Mizuzot was going up and up, and they started seeing that the orders were coming down. People, no more could they afford to be able to spend all this kind of money on buying a Sefer Torah, Tefillim, Mizuzot. People were purchasing less. The guy saw his Parnassah go down. So he thought to himself, you know what, maybe, maybe I should increase um, the writing hours, take off an extra hour or two from my learning and write more. That way I'll be able to make more of a Parnassah. I'll be able to sell more goods at a lower price. And then I'll lower my price, I'll write more. And you know what, I'll learn a little bit less Torah. Anyway, his rabbi said, whatever you think you should do, you should do. He says, but before you do, study the sefer of the Beta Levi, uh, of Chovot HaLevavot, of, uh, of Shara Bitachon, etc., etc. Anyway, the guy sits there, he studies, he's thinking, he's thinking, until finally he realizes, he says, you know what? I, I honestly believe that I have to do my part, but my part is not what makes me the money. What makes me the money is God's blessing. I have to do my part, that's true. Do I think that what God really wants from me out of this life is to spend less time learning Torah? That's what Hashem is trying to get from me? Listen, look, I would love to give you Parnassah. There's only one thing I'm asking of you. 
please study less Torah. Could you imagine God saying that sentence? Study less Torah. So says Hashem, your Lord. Is that what God's message is to me? He said, it can't be. So you know what I'm going to do, he said? Not only am I going to carry on learning, he said, but just to illustrate it, I'm going to add an extra half hour of learning. I'm going to write 30 minutes less a day. But with real emunah, he did it in a genuine way. He sat down, he studied, he looked at himself honestly in the mirror. And he started learning 30 minutes, started writing 30 minutes a day less. Two days after he started this new, uh, this new project, he gets a phone call. Guy calls him from America. He says, listen, I hear that you're a sofer, but not only do you write sefret Torah, you're, you know, you're an unbelievable Talmid Chacham. You spend your days immersed in Torah and Ma'asim Tovim. I don't want a regular Sofer. Now, I don't know if you know this. You got to get the joke. In, in Hebrew, you know what you call a person who writes Sefer Torah, Tefillin Mezuzot? You call him Sofer Stam. He says, Stam, Sofer Stam. I don't want just any uh, scribe of ordinary uh, sofer uh, of that right sofer. I want a sofer, a sofer who's not stam. I want a sofer, a sofer who studies Torah. And he says, and I heard about you, that you take your learning very seriously. I want to pay top dollar for a sefer Torah. You know how much a sefer Torah costs to write, especially by a sofer. So he paid him triple the price that he would pay for a sefer Torah that he would get for it in Israel, he would pay for him to, to write it for him for it in America. And the guy was able to sit and learn Torah uninterrupted, properly in the right way. My friends, I want to say something and I want to say it very clearly. I do not think that the reason why the guy got this job, triple net, <laughs> because, is because he was learning more Torah. I don't think that that's the case. I think that it was his emunah that was being tested. But the Torah was the way he was illustrating his emunah. That extra half hour of Torah, the guy's learning so many hours a day. If four hours, five hours didn't get him the biracha, what, the extra 30 minutes, that's what clinched it? That's not the point. The point was that the extra half hour illustrated that instead of cutting down on my Torah, I'm going to do more. If my natural instinct said, this is what I need to do, but my emunah instinct took me in another direction, what was being rewarded was his emunah. Because God's, his emunah, his beracha, is in direct proportion to his emunah. Like the Beit HaLevi said, said to us in the beginning, it is only for Yosef HaTzadik, who has such emunah, that asking two times is one time too many. My friends, it is worth our while to invest in our emunah. It is worth our while to double down on what we know to be right. It doesn't mean that you do less of what you're doing. Do exactly what you think you should be doing. But when you think to yourself, I'm doing what I need to be doing. I'm doing a correct, a proper hishtadlut. But it's not coming. Is the answer to that, I need to be doing more than the proper amount of hishtadlut? 
I'm barely seeing my wife and children. Is what Hashem wants. Imagine God saying, you know what I really need from you? I need you to have less of a relationship with your family. Stay in the office longer. Is that what God is saying? Now, if you don't go to the office at all, maybe Hashem is saying, be a mensch, put in some effort. That's a voice you can imagine. Try and imagine God saying the lesson you think you're taking from Him. This is what Judaism really looks like. It's grown up. It's responsible. It's real. Baruch Adnai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. But Rabotai, I just want to end by saying this.